Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. I'm here with Will Jones today. Will's a dentist in Nashville. Will, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I do fantastic. I'm super excited to talk to you. Uh, hopefully, this time we'll actually get it recorded. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> Will, you made a statement to me earlier that caught my attention uh, and that you said, hey, I'm on track to do a half a million dollars more this year, which is the equivalent of about a 30% growth. 33% growth for you. And I said, we should talk about that. And uh, so I want to talk about where you've seen the growth, why you've seen the growth, and what can others learn from this? Okay. So we collected 1.65 last year. and Last year being 2018. 2018. And my goal for this year was to collect 1.85. Okay. Uh, we are on track to collect 2.1. So I've already, even though my goal was to collect 200,000 more, we've already collected 187,000 more than last year. Year, 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 year to comparison. To date, yeah, comparison. As of May 5th, okay. basically. Well, yeah. Basically, as of end of April. Okay. okay. All right. So, so what do you attribute this to? What What are some of the things uh, that you attribute this to? So, um, one of the things that you mentioned is some of the things that you've learned through our mastermind group, some some hanging out at the courses, but something that you didn't necessarily learn that you attribute a lot of this to is team change. Okay, let's talk about that team change. Well, when I bought my dad's practice, he had had people there for thirty years, twenty years, mm -hmm. fifteen years. And he was the type of dentist that he did not really change anything for 15 years. He wouldn't change anything at all. He was a bread and butter dentist in South Nashville, and he didn't really change any type of procedure he's doing or do anything new like implants, sleep, ortho, mm -hmm. sedation. He doesn't do any of that. Basically, so. he was a drill, fill, and bill yeah, dentist. Yeah. And, and he was happy doing that. And there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with that. that. Right. By the way, that's all he knew. True. Okay. He, that's all his whole generation knew because that's all that existed in dentistry in the 70s and 80s. Right. You know, more like the 80s for your dad, you know. Right. So, um, all right. So, let's let's give a little perspective. So, when did you buy, when did you move into the practice? What year? 2015. 2015. After an AG okay. residency. Okay. So, so the number 1.6 that you mentioned for 2018, that's after, hey, adding another dentist. That's after, you know, all of those things. So, some of those... Some of those things were already in place. So obviously, the 1.6 was, was up probably significantly from when you walked in in 2015. I bought the practice at 1.1 million. Okay, so. In 2016. And then your dad kind of disappeared in a sense, right? He well, started working less. Less, yeah. yeah. So he would work three, three and a half days a week, and then he went down to two. Okay. And he's about to go down to one. Okay, so essentially, his production is irrelevant for the most part. He 
produces $30,000 a month. Okay, yeah. So it, it's, in the, I mean, listen, that's $360,000 a year. I'm not saying it's nothing, but at the end of the day. It's not a lot. It's in, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's somewhat irrelevant, okay? So, and the reason I brought that up is I want to talk, I want to make sure that we're given perspective that, hey, it's not that you bought a practice, immediately you walked in and you dealt with another dentist, so that's why you grew. That part has already been taken care of. And in fact, you know, the number of dentist days has gone down over the last few years, but yet the, the the revenue keeps going up. So let's talk about the team change. Okay. So your dad had essentially the same team members for a long time. And is that a good or a bad thing you think? Well, for three or four years, I thought it was a great thing. I was taught that you, the devil you knew was better than the devil you and didn't know. And that's true sometimes. And so these people that were at the practice, I thought were great. And in a lot of ways they were. I mean, the temporaries that they could make were, were <laughs> anterior temporaries were better than I could make. So they were really wonderful. The problem was, is that whenever I would try to change things, they're so used to dad never changing anything and not mm-hmm. even having morning huddles or even monthly meetings. He would have one meeting a year. And so they weren't used to any type of change. So when I walked in, I had to do, what, 20 things, digital charts, digital right. x-rays, sedation, grafting, implants, you name it. Well, All let's of that take, was even, brand Let's take new. the clinical part out of it. There's so much on the business side. All of it. Like computers and, yes. you know, marketing. Yes. <laughs> yes, paying people without a paper check. I mean, right. it's, there's so many other things that... <laughs> like, was, you mean the money just shows up in my account? Right. Uh, Dad didn't understand that for the longest time. He was like, well, am I getting paid or not? I was like, you're going to have to check your bank account. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's He's like, do I have it. to go to the bank to check in? Right. Yeah, yes, online? you do. You have to see, go see Carl at the bank. So um, basically, the the old people were so used to the way things the were. Original, that they yes, the original people. Yes, that they were not going to change. Okay. And they were extremely resistant to it. Okay. So much so that our growth severely suffered. Well, you only know that retrospectively. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So you didn't walk in and tell people to go. To leave? To leave. Oh, heavens no, because I was taught not to do that. I mean, I I didn't ask anybody to leave. So this was a natural progression. You know, some of it accelerated by, you know, maybe your drive to make change and and your will to not say, just accept, hey, the team's holding me back and I'm just going to go with what I got. Uh, so, 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 you know, as you're adding change and as you're accelerating that change, people are dropping off. You could make an argument that I'm changing things too quickly. It's sure that's that's everybody's different, you know. Everybody does things at a different pace. But I'm happier mm-hmm. than I was three years ago, and we're making a whole lot more money, and the team seems happier, mm-hmm. and I'm more comfortable with sitting down with them and asking them about their personal lives and how they're doing, and and it seems that they're happy as well. So, on all accounts, I'm very happy that the that in the past mm-hmm. 365 days, that five team members range on an average time period of maybe 15 years with my dad, 20 mm-hmm. years with my dad, five team members have left in a year. Okay. And most five people, is five out of how many? Gosh, was that five out nine, of 15? five out of nine, five out of nine. Okay. So half your team. Yes. Well, it's turned over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad it happened and it was very difficult to go through because you're worried that these, that these veterans mm-hmm. with the practice that a lot of patients are going to leave. And certainly it did happen. So you you see so you you did experience people leaving. We would call them and they would say, "Oh, so and so's not there anymore. I'm not interested." Okay. And I would try to call them and they wouldn't answer my phone. I'd leave them a really nice voicemail and nothing. Mm-hmm. And and it's okay cuz we're still But it wasn't okay at the time. And oh, heavens no. That's why I called you. Yeah. 
It's not. A, it wasn't okay at the time. No, no. It was very nerve wracking, but I'm glad it happened. So team change is one of those things that you look back at, and it was a good thing, but you didn't go about trying to make that happen. No, you know? I did not fire any of them. You know, I've made the statement uh, sometimes that, and I get flack for it. I, I get the eye from my own team members when I say these things. I go, if I have the same team. For more than five years, something's wrong. And because we get complacent, we get stuck, we get so comfortable that we're not willing to accept change. And, you know, I, I, need, to see, I need to see some level of turnover. And turnover doesn't mean people have to leave. Turnover also means we have to have new. Okay, so it may be that I grow from five team members to six team members. And that, that, that to me is a team change, right? The dynamics change, a lot of things change. Uh, so let, let's talk about some of the positives that you've seen of this team change. Because, look, we love the people that left. They were so Im- instrumental to your dad, and they were so loyal to him, and you wanted them to stay. but Still giving them a call on the cell phone and crying yeah. that they're not with them anymore. Yeah, you know, and so you know, that's all there. Okay, so I'm not trying to say, hey, we didn't care about those people. But at the end of the day, you, you, you only see what's in front of you, and you don't know where you, what your path is until you travel that path. Right. So what are some of the things that you've seen from having team change? A new fire in their belly. Okay, so you, to work harder. So you have people. Not, I wouldn't say work harder. They work smarter. Okay, both. Okay, to be honest. Okay, sure. But, um, okay, so you have people that are more excited. Yes. Okay. Like, in other words, hey, we, we want to do great. All right. Right. All right. What else have you seen? Well, they're younger. They're, okay. not, they're not as stuck in their ways, okay. which so, is really nice. So, in other words, they're more open-minded about change. They're more accepting of change. They, they don't have a, a preconceived notion of how it should be done or how it could be done or how it was done. Right, but also that they worked for someone else that they didn't like as much as me, as right. opposed to the original veterans with my dad. They loved my, him. Loved him. Yeah. They were, he was a dad to them. Right. And he was such a relaxed boss that it didn't matter what you did. He's not going to fire you. Okay. There were times where he, my dad would come to work anxious because the people that was working were working for him were so wrong for the situation, you're, you're the incorrect assistant for me. Mm-hmm. You're not nice to the patients. You don't turn over the rooms fast enough. But he wouldn't fire them because he was so worried about getting someone in there that wasn't good enough. Right. Like so, he was worried about getting something even worse. Yes, he was. Okay. And he wasn't willing to deal with that. So now this the new team's like, well, the boss that I used to work for, you're so much better than them. So it's, it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> yeah. It's, nice. so you, 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 it's like, I never have people say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So what about things like, uh, that they're more open to talking to patients about treatment? Yeah. And I don't know how much that comes from me or their previous boss instilled in them, mm-hmm. the concept of, of understanding implants and ortho and, and okay. sleep. Uh, but they are much more, uh, adept at speaking to our patients about the work they need, whether that's period, period disease, or if that's, you know, how, much the implant can can change their life, not cracking the tooth behind it, right. and how big of a deal that is. Okay. All right, so I want to button the team talk up. And what I want to say to people is I am not advocating for you to change your entire team or uh, that you have to change your team. 
But what I am advocating is... Don't be scared to let a few people go yeah. if they're the incorrect well, ones. Absolutely. What I advocate is <clears throat> whether physically or mentally, you need to re-interview people every few years and say, would I hire this person today? You know, and, and Are you a correct fit for the practice as, it, as we see it today? Because the practice today is not the practice two years ago or three years ago or five years ago. And what you, what you need to do is you need to mentally re-interview this person. Because you don't even need them there because you can answer the questions for mm -hmm. them, right? And then and figure out, is this getting me where I want to get to? And if the answer is no, then I'm not saying to go get rid of people, but I'm saying that you have to kind of come to grips with the path is that either you need to make changes that are hard, okay? Because we're talking about people's livelihoods, people that have been there for you to get you to this point, or are you willing to compromise and accept less than where you want to be? And, and as long as you make that decision, I'm, I'm always okay with it. But I think it's important to re-interview people mentally to make sure they're the right fit for where you are today and where you want to be a couple of years from now. That's a great idea. So for you, that, that naturally happened uh, without you having to worry about it just from the change. But for others that hey, say, I, I'm, the, I'm your dad, but, I, but I'm not trying to retire. I'm trying to go another 10 or 12 years or 15 years. Uh, I want to encourage people to re-interview people mentally. All right, so now let's talk about something else that uh, has made a big difference in your practice, and that, that would be photography. Okay, What were you doing in, in terms of photography before, uh, before basically all of this stuff? I think I took a few photos of a patient okay. if they needed an anterior crown. Okay. That's about it. Just to, to send to the lab? Yeah. All right. And sometimes I forget. <laughs> and sometimes you they forget. make it as an A one. You make it just you just say match the shade tab. Yep, <laughs> it'll be good enough. <laughs> Where are you at today with photography? Every new patient gets okay. a photo on every tooth, and okay. every new patient gets a either a DSLR photo or some type of Shofu camera photo okay. um, of their upper arch, lower arch, and full smile. Okay, so you have a photo series similar to like an X ray series almost. Yes. Okay, and what have you seen from that? Patient confirmation without me having to tell them what's wrong. Okay. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, 
Check out our upcoming sessions and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So in other words, patients just accept treatment more. They do. Yeah. Sometimes without me even having to it's say trust. anything. It's, yes. it's, it's implied. It's, it's, in other words, it's, I, I always looked at photography. You know, I got into photography very early in my career because I, I was literally 24 years. I was 24 years old when I opened my practice. Okay. I had hair, you know, I was much thinner and I'm trying to do cosmetic cases and I'm 24 years old. Right. And, um, I needed a way to overcome trust with patients. And a lot of that was in my own head anyway, by the way, it wasn't necessarily with patients. So I, I attached myself to photography so quickly as a way to overcome this stuff. And did anybody teach you how to use photography in dentistry? No. You no. just came to it? I just, I just picked up a camera. I, I, I had a need. And, and that need was I need to get people to trust me. Okay? I need, to get, I need to make myself feel that people are trusting me. And I felt that showing them the proof was the best way to do it. And so I'm not trying to date myself. Digital cameras existed to a certain degree. But... The way I did it in the very beginning was we literally took print camera and then my, one of my team members would run across the street to the one-hour developing place and we'd have the photos back by the time the patient was done with their visit. Oh wow. And then we'd show them their pictures. And then the digital cameras came like a year, year and a half into that. So but think about how much dedication that is on your part to get it right, regardless of your barriers. I had no choice, Will. But you did. Yeah. Well, how, how not? Every other dentist... Do you think all the other dentists were were getting pictures sure. developed before the patient left? How many other dentists in the U.S. were doing that? I have no idea, but I say I had no choice because I was not trying to be like everybody else. You know, and, and I'm trying to do it at age 24. Uh, I, I was just not trying to be like everybody else. But you can say that the overall... The overarching theme to this is that you're just not going to let anything stop you. No, of course. And, and that's, I, and yeah, I mean, that's yeah. what this, the whole thing's about is yeah. that breaking down barriers and not having excuses. Yeah. And that's like ingrained in you, I guess, probably from your father as you speak about it, because yeah. I mean, you're just getting pictures developed before the patient leaves is amazing oh, yeah, because I want to show and people them. still won't do digital photos. Uh, think about how much easier that drives, is. It drives me nuts. You're running marathons and people won't run a 5k. I'm hardly running marathons, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and so I, every, every, every group I work with, okay. Every, you know, in our mastermind, anybody that comes to any of our courses or business classes or anybody that asks me and listen, I have every technology in the world at the end of the day, I will always tell everybody my digital camera is truly the one piece of technology that I simply cannot do dentistry without. Look, at the end of the day, I can get restorations made at my lab. At the end of the day, I could send my patients to an imaging center and all of those things. Okay? Not that I believe in those, okay? But I can't even get to a point where I can confidently ask patients to spend money or to say yes to me without the camera, without the photograph. And for me, initially, the photographs were more about me than about the patient. Why? Because I wasn't, I, I, had it, but I had it set in my mind that, hey, I'm 24, they don't trust me. And the truth was they trust me because they chose my practice. 
Okay. But it was in my mind, I was the limiting belief that I needed, I needed this proof to show them, uh, what was going on so that they didn't question me. I didn't want them to question, Oh, he's young. He doesn't know what he's doing Mm -hmm. or, Oh, it's a new practice. They're trying to sell me something. You know, I, I just didn't want any of that. And I've, I always believed that showing them proof was important. I'll take it a step further on the photography part and, uh, photography is one of the reasons that I'm speaking and training today because I was documenting my cases. And then I started sharing that on the original social media, which was Dentaltown at the time. And uh, I just, and then that started this whole, this, all of this started from that. So digital photography is so foundationally important to my dental career. Um, I would argue that, um, like, I would, uh, when I interview dentists as an associate, or I talk to young dentists who are going to be coming out of dental school, I, I tell them to go buy, create a portfolio of their cases. And they say, well, we can't, I can't afford a camera. I say, I totally understand. You've got one in your pocket. Just pull out your iPhone and take pictures. You know, imagine, imagine if you go for an interview or you have somebody come for an interview with you and they say, hey, let me show you some of the dentistry I've done and that I want to do. It'd be perfect. It'd be perfect, right? So I mean, maybe that's how we're going to start asking people in dental school. Send me some of your cases. That's what I see, right? And to me, like, think about how powerful that is for us as a professional, professionally, to whether I want to hire you or not. So it extends 10x that to our patients, whether or not they trust you. As you've talked about, you say, hey, one of the things you mentioned earlier was you said, hey, look at this tooth. Look how perfect, you know, how clean and perfect it is. This is the same tooth on the other side. And the patient Tell me says, what you see. Yeah, tell me what you see. And, and see, that's part of the, the beauty of photography is letting the patient own their condition. And maybe the patient sees nothing. You know, maybe the patient sees nothing. Right. And then that tells you the patient's not aware and maybe doesn't care. The patient points out things that you don't even see. You know, like I, I remember very clearly that I used to take these photos and I'd take them from a little bit farther away on women. And then I'd be talking to them about something going on in their teeth and they'd be staring at their peach fuzz on their mustache. Oh, wow. You know, and because I say, Mrs. Jones, what do you what do you see here that concerns you? And they go, man, I need to get my upper lip waxed. Oh, and I'm like, I'm sitting here talking about this cavity. <laughs> right. You know, and you're worried about getting your lip waxed. Right. right? So, um, <clears throat> You know, that's kind of part of it, too. So photography is super, super important. And so what you've seen is you've gone from essentially taking no photos to, at a minimum, having photographs on all your new patients and having a set series that you request. And I hope, I hope I'm going I'm to speak for you here. Here's what the series should look like. It should be a full-face photo. Okay? It should be a smile photo. It should be a... A retracted photo of the teeth slightly separated, so you, I call it the incisal edge photograph. You should have an upper photo, a lower photo. You should have a hygiene photo, and a hygiene photo is the linguals of the lower anterior teeth so that you can see the buildup. And then I think you should have a sleep photo, which is um, your patient opening the mouth and you seeing the malum potty and taking that photograph. So I, I used to advocate six photos. We added the sleep photo in, and I think those are your seven photographs that you should take on every new patient in your practice. And it will be amazing what happens when you take the photos and you show it to the patient. So the second step of that is actually showing it to the patient. So walk me through how you talk to them about it. To who? The patient? The patient, yeah. 
Uh, all, the beauty is I'm not. You know, my team is. Okay. So they're taking the my, I walk, my hygienists are taking the photographs. The expectation is when I walk in that they've already shown the patient the photographs. Ask them, do you see anything that concerns you, or point out some of the things that that we see that sh- they should be aware of. And then when I walk in, they review that with me and the and the patient. It'd be like, uh, let's pretend I'm the hygienist and uh, the doctor's here and you're the patient. Uh, uh, Will, I'd like you to meet Dr. Agarwal. Uh, uh, Dr. A, Will and I, Will's here for his new patient exam. Uh, We took his radiographs today. We took his x-rays. We took some photographs of his teeth. I want to review those with you because I found a few areas of concern, and Will is also concerned about those as well. Uh, And then the pictures pop up. And I said, we walked through this photograph and we pointed out this, this, and this. Will Will understands that this tooth is going to need a crown. And as long as you confirm this tooth needs a crown, Will's ready to proceed with that. So, so that's kind of the conversation that we want to start seeing happen with the photographs. Now, my guess is that um, you're not quite at that level. No. Right? But, no. but And I bring that up very purposely. I bring that up because I have a tendency to tell people that this is the level you've got to start at. And the truth is, it's not. The level you start at is just take just the picture. pictures. Just take the picture. doesn't even show. matter if they're bad. Just it, it doesn't figure matter. it out. Just take a picture. Okay? So level one is you take a picture and you put it in front of your patient and you just say, Mrs. Jones, do you see anything here that concerns you? And, that, and, that's, and then leave it at that. And if the patient doesn't point out anything, say no problem. Usually they're going to say, well, do you see anything? Right? right. And, the, and then that's your permission to kind of uh, talk through whatever is going on. Yeah, there's also a confidence level there mm-hmm. as well, being able to ask your patients questions yeah. and let there be a pause. Yeah. And that's hard to learn. Yeah. It took me years to do Power that. Power of the pause. Sure. But it's also this confidence level of knowing that you're not you're, you're not making anything up. Right. You know, you can show the patient <laughs> you're cracking your tooth. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing more hygiene checks than my dad at this point mm-hmm. because he doesn't do ortho, he doesn't do sleep, yeah. he doesn't do implants or grafting. So it's getting to the point where almost 80% of our mm-hmm. patients, he says, well, I don't know if this patient can handle yeah. uh, you know, clear aligners or if they need real braces, so do you mind going and talking to yeah. them? Now all of a sudden I'm talking to every hygiene patient. Yeah. So You know, and, and <clears throat> that brings up another point uh, that – Maybe our conversation will lead to, because I know at some point very soon you're bringing an associate into your practice. And uh, people talk to me about, well, how do you handle new patients? I think the best thing to do is for you to see all the new patients. I think the owner... As a hygiene check. uh, All the new patients. So uh, when you... I don't know how you bring new patients into your practice, but we bring new patients in through hygiene. And in a perfect world, the owner dentist, the strongest dentist, would see all new patients. They would not see the young dentist uh, at the beginning. Even for any type of procedures? No, I'm, not, I'm saying for the diagnosis right. part. Okay. For the diagnosis part. I'm talking about for the treatment planning, all of that. And then, then you determine where that patient goes in terms of treatment. Uh, and, and the reason I believe that is for the things you just said. You diagnose better because you see better. Okay, because by, by seeing better, it's not because your dad has different eyes from you. It's literally right. that your your brain is different. You see implants, you see ortho, you right. see these things that he or she doesn't see. And then patient communication. But you're you're more trustworthy. You, you've you've got a few gray hairs. You know, uh, patients will believe you more. I'm balding. And you're and you're somewhat balding, right? And Good. so um, all those things to me lead up that associates shouldn't be seeing new patients in the beginning. 
Okay. They should be a waiter or waitress in training and see new patients with you. And then you should introduce them to the new patients that you deem ideal for them. Like I tell my team, they, they, they'll come to me and say, do you want to see the new patient? I'm like, who do you think the patient should see? Well, we'll have pictures on all the computers. Yeah. So they're synced up. So we could just do role-playing in the back mm-hmm. in the office. Absolutely. And say, what do you see, associate? Yeah. And that's between you and him. That's for you right. guys to calibrate each other. But I think also is, is to me, is on, a, on an immediacy basis, because you're not interviewing and seeing your patients before you see them, right? Right. But your hygiene team is. And one of the things I want, I want you to start doing is teaching your hygiene team even now before your associate comes in, do you think I would see this patient? Do you think I need to see this patient? Let's look, let's fast forward three months. If this patient came in three months from now, would you have me see them or would you have the associate see them? And start, start training that mindset now of them determining which patients you need to see. Got it. And that is, in our practice, that's determined on a couple, several different things, okay? One is, did the patient specifically come to the practice for me? Like, in other words, were they referred by a 30-year patient that's been in practice of mine for 15 years and they got referred by them, then that person probably is coming to see me, okay? So I'll see them, okay? But the main way that we differentiate is by the type of dentistry that patient needs. So if the patient is a true general dentistry patient, then that will go to Dr. Leedy in our practice. If that patient is an ortho patient, that'll go to Dr. Leedy in our practice. If the patient is looking at complex dentistry or there's a lot going on or there, you know, there's interdisciplinary care, I'll typically see that patient. And for the most part, our team members are making that judgment. And for me, it's easy. I say, uh, if, this were your, if, you were, if this were your patient were your husband, who would you have them see? And they'll be like, hey, this is perfect for XYZ dentist. Perfect. So I, I would encourage you to start training your team members to start looking at patients that way. Sure. And that's also about you formulating in your mind which patients that you want to see. And to me, looking back, that happens now. Because you got another month or two before your associate comes in. So start thinking about it that way. Go back for the last week. When you get back Monday, I want you to go back through last week's new patient load and look through those patients and say which patients should be mine and which patients could not have would have been fine not being mine. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we talked about photographs, how that worked, uh, how important that has been for you. Uh, And you're just doing it at a basic level, in my opinion. There's so much more. Um, You know, you're not doing simulations yet. No. You know, you're not necessarily doing iPads and emailing photographs. You're not doing so so many things, right? You mean iTero simulations for ortho? No, I'm even saying smile designs. Okay. The patient comes in with a chipped tooth, show what that looks like. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all-annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. 
You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. So would you take a, a do a small design on a new patient without them asking about aesthetics? No, but you have that conversation with them. You know, is there anything that concerns you about your yeah, smile? Yeah, Will, hey, Will, I noticed that you had a chipped tooth. Does that bother you? Will, I noticed that you have a space between your teeth. Does that bother you? Sure. You know, and then pop your iPad out and do the simulation right then and there. It's, it's pretty quick. So it's on an iPad, too? Photoshop's on an iPad. Ah. Now, let me ask you, what's not, on, what's not on your phone or a pad today? Good question. You know, everything is. You know, um, so, you know, we're moving uh, towards having iPads in every operatory. Okay. I just bought my first three uh, to test it out, and my op, Liz's op, and uh, one other op. That's going well. And Well, we just got them. So okay. we're going to uh, kind of get ahead of ourselves. I want to have our smile simulation software on there. I want to have our uh, Revenue Well form software so we can do consents and everything all digitally. And then I want to do our firm financial arrangements on the iPad so that we can email the patient their receipt. Oh, wow. You know, kind of like when you go to, the, how many, how many, do you actually keep any receipts when you go no. to the store? Right. But don't you love it when they send you that receipt? Sure. Right. So, you know, instead of printing out the firm financial arrangements for the patient, we can say, hey, we can print this out or I can just go ahead and send it to you by email. Right. Save, save trees. Sure. It's good for you. Your, your generation likes the environment. It is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and yours does not. <laughs> I, 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 I have a very selfish view of it. I'm like, I'm not going to be around. So it doesn't yep. matter. Let them fend for themselves. There you go. But um, <clears throat> so kind of I kind of alluded to it there. Uh, one of the other things that you said was has been very important for you is the concept of firm financial arrangements. Talk to me about that. So I, I guess it was you and Sully who initially talked to me yeah. about making sure that the patient has a clear vision mm -hmm. of what they would be able to afford. So it's not just the price of it. Mm -hmm. So having an in-office plan to either offer the patient a immediately a, a either care credit or an in-office plan to get mm -hmm. them to buy into a were large guys, chunk of treatment. Were you guys doing in-office payment plans where you were the bank? No, 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 no. Your dad was probably no. opposed to that, wasn't he? Of course. Yeah. Of course. He was, he, he's such a, a great guy and a great dentist. As far as a businessman, he knew that there were some things that he needed to know. Yeah, uh, sure. So, but, but I would argue that I'm not a great business person too. You know, I, I'm would just, you? I would 100%. 100% I would really? argue that I'm not. Uh, my practice should be double what it is. I should own multiple practices. You know, I, I should I have multiple associates, you know. Okay. Uh, I, should, I should be a little bit more ruthless about team members. Uh, I could be a much better business person, okay. 100%. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you, uh, I couldn't tell you my numbers to the detail that I should know them. I couldn't tell you my overhead percentages on point. I can give you rough numbers. Got it. Uh, so I, I'm, I, would, I would argue that I'm a mediocre business person. Okay. I just have a very simplistic view of business. And um, 
firm financial arrangements is one of those simplistic views. And that simplistic view is uh, patients got to know how they can pay. Right. I mean, that to me is it's the bottom line, right? And I want to be very transparent about it. And you made it very easy too. Yeah. Which is nice. Well, and by that, what do you mean by that? Well, the, the form and the Excel spreadsheet. Okay, so the menu, you, the financial menu. Yes, basically. Yeah. So firm, let, let, <clears throat> let, for our listeners, let, let's review firm financial arrangements. Uh, the concept to me of firm financial arrangements is, number one, the patient should never, after the fact, say, I didn't know it was going to be that much. Never. Like, I don't like that. Okay. Uh, in fact, I, I would early in my career uh, to kind of help my team understand how important this was to me at the time, I would say, did we tell the patient how much this was going to cost? And the, if the answer was no and the patient gave a stink, I said, it's free. Wow. If, if we didn't tell you how much it was going to cost, then shame on us. That's impressive. So we, would, we didn't have to do it very many times. No, you didn't. <laughs> you know, we you learned your lesson quickly. We learned your lesson quick, right? And, you know, there's a difference when things change. Okay, hey, we went in to do a, 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 a you know, XYZ filling and it turned into a MOD filling or whatever, sure. whatever it may be, right? That's not, the same. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about, hey, and dentists are the worst about it. And I'm still bad about it sometimes. You like didn't my, tell them that they might need a bone graft around this implant. No, I would even go as simpler than that. I look at everything very simplistically. I'll walk in on an emergency patient. They need the tooth taken out. And I'll say, hey, go ahead and give me the anesthetic. I'll go ahead and numb you up. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, and my team today will stop me and say, well, let me make sure they can afford this. Perfect. Right. But in the beginning, I would just like, ah, we'll do it. And we'll, I'll let you guys deal with it up front. Right. Because I'm so tunnel vision about this. Uh, it's not about the bone graft and stuff, because I think the answer to that is simple. You just have a bundle fee and then you just do what's right for gotcha. the patient. You know, but firm financial arrangements, number one, is about transparently sharing with the patient what they're going to owe and how they can pay for it. Okay. That's step number one to firm financial arrangements. And then price versus affordability. Step number two is making it easier for patients to say yes. Okay. And that's where the affordability comes in. And for me in the beginning, that was about offering third party payment plans. And the way I was taught that I didn't agree with uh, was that you start with the best way and then you negotiate with your patient. In other words, I'll hey say, Will, uh, this crown's going to be $1,000. Uh, how would you like to pay for that? I don't believe in that. I don't believe in asking the patient because patients have a level of, of machismo where they don't want to say, hey, I can't afford that. I'd rather slide a piece of paper to you and say, Will, uh, your, your care is going to be about $1,000. And these are the different methods you can choose. Which one makes the most sense for you? Instead of saying, hey, would you like to pay cash up front? Well, if, you do, even if the patient doesn't say yes to that, then we offer them this. If they say no to that, then we offer them this. I, I just, I, I don't like that, that gamesmanship. Okay, I just like being, listen, dude, you need the work. Okay, that's non-negotiable. The, the negotiation is, do you want to do it in here? How do you want to pay for it? Sure. You know, so, so I want to be transparent there. So the initial step was offering payment plans, which as silly as it sounds, in 2001 when I opened my practice, that wasn't normal for dentists to offer payment plans. I'm not even talking about self-funded payment plans. I'm talking about using a third-party service. Wow. Um, it just wasn't normal. It, you know, and even today, a lot of dentists will say, well, I don't want my patients to use that because I got to pay 5 7%. I'm like, dude, that's silly. Right. 
You just 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 use it. And so if it's an in office payment plan, obviously for lending laws, mm-hmm. we cannot charge interest. Inter- on well, this. you can charge interest, but the the then you then you fall under becoming kind of like a bank, and then there's a maximum interest you can charge, and there's there's just gotcha. different rules. The rules so just that, avoid it. Uh, to me, it's like I don't even know the rules. I just know I want to avoid them. Okay. <laughs> so, so this the, another step of that was now I advocate, uh, and this has probably been now seven years, seven or eight years, uh, that seven, eight, eight, eight years at least that I advocate uh, being the bank and actually self financing or payment planning your patients. Sure. And so that's a choice on the financial menu. Well, and a lot of people are going to say, well, I don't want to do that because I don't want some patients to not pay me and yeah. then I get screwed in the end. Yeah. So as an example, we had a, a patient two months ago who we did a bridge prep on and mm-hmm. the, the patient owed about $3,500 and didn't pay us because we were acting like the bank. And so when I talked to the team about it, they were so upset that they weren't going to pay. And I said, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal because we've had so such a higher percentage of case acceptance yeah. that the $3,500 is a drop in the bucket compared right. to how much better we're doing because of everything else. So when you think about the entire process of in-house payment plans, you have to bring with it the idea that some people aren't going to pay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, I think conceptually that comes to a much bigger point in our profession. And I think ultimately what happens is we get burned by one bad apple and we change all of our we change laws everything. about it. And what happens is we don't realize the negative effect of that. So if I went to 100 dentists today and said, what do you want your collections to be? 99 out of 100 dentists will say, I want my collections 100. to be 99 to 100%. You ask me that question, and I'm going to say I want my collections rate to be 95 to 96%. And if anyone hears that mm-hmm. and, then, and then full stop, you don't say anything else, they're yeah. going to think you're crazy. They're going to think I'm crazy. And the reason I want that is I want to take risk with how much money I lend out. And I don't want 95% collection and, and do it the same old way. I want 95% collection because I want 95% of $2 million versus 100% of $1.8 million. Sure. You know, it's, it's, the, the math is simple. And so you extend payment plans to patients with a little bit of risk. At the end of the day, Care Credit doesn't have 100% accept 100% uh, uh, collection rate on their money that there's they extended. A she, they're in business. And, and there's a reason they're in business because they know that over time they're going to make interest, correct? And that interest is going to make up for it. But that also that most people pay. Right. But on our end, while dentists might say, hey, well, as a dentist, you're, not, you're doing payment plans without interest, I'll go, but I have a profit margin. And that profit margin is my interest. That is a amazing point. Does that make sense? It does. So I had never thought about that because, before. like Care Credit, they live. Their profit is the interest, correct? Right. Care Credit, Green Sky, whatever company we're talking about. Okay. Um, but for me, my profit margin is the dentistry. Okay? God, that's such a good point. So, um, so some are going to not pay. That's part of the game. Do you have some type of uh, uh, bucket? Of that a patient has to fit into for you to offer payment plans to them? Not right now. Okay. So Not let's before talk. this conversation. Let's have, let's have that conversation. So that means you didn't listen to our video very well. Okay. Or, or maybe you, what I'm asking you, you're doing. So let's talk about it. <clears throat> when will you offer a payment plan to somebody? What are the rules? I 
don't have any rules right now. Okay, so then you didn't listen to our video. Okay, Let's talk through okay. That. okay. All right, so to me, there has to be a minimum dollar amount that you will in the payment plan. So if I come in and I need a occlusal filling and I'm on MetLife and it's $40 out of pocket, are you willing to send, set me up a payment plan for that? I don't think my office manager is. I yeah, didn't but, give but her any rules. Yeah, she, but that's, she, that's problematic. Okay, so, so she so. she pretty much won't do it under under about $1,000. If, if the patient mm. payment plan is less than $100 each time they pay something, mm. she's not going to do All it. Right, so you, I need you to take control of this will. Okay. Okay. And so let's, let's, set up, let's set the parameters today, and then I, I need you to direct your team on this, okay? Uh, number one, I don't like that one person in your office is making this decision, okay? So payment plans in our office, firm financial arrangements are made by every team member, hygienist, assistant, anybody. That's the point of the financial menu, correct? Okay. Just the financial menu is automated, uh, yes, it is yes. right. Mm -hmm. So my hygienist can present it, and we've taken we've taken the whole guesswork about who do we offer this to and not offer this to out of there in the firm financial arrangements menu. Okay, so we have to have a minimum dollar amount for treatment that we're willing to finance. Sorry, we're willing to be the bank on. Okay, and for you, that's what number? In our practice, that's three hundred dollars. Okay. Okay, so if the patient portion is less than three hundred dollars. In-office payment plans don't exist, okay? And we have to have a top-end number as, as well. well. So, so are you willing to self-finance a $30,000 case? No, I'm not. But when's the number, when, when does the number end? <laughs> when it stops feeling like it's a good idea. So when is that? What is that number? Gosh, probably 8000 8, 10000 Okay, so have you told anybody that at the no. office? So how do you know what's happening? I guess I don't. And so I'm making these points and, and not to scare you or to get on to people, but to say, listen, you're doing this in a, in a way a little bit half-ass. The photographs are, I, should, I shouldn't say half-ass. You're doing the photographs at kindergarten level. Sure. Okay. Sure. You're doing the financial arrangements at the kindergarten level and see what it's done for you. Right. Now imagine what happens when you do that at a first or second grade level. Right. Okay. How much tighter this is going to get. And what grade are you in now? I'm probably in fifth grade okay okay i'm probably in fourth or fifth grade <laughs> you know i think this and that, that it's it's amazing to me because uh well, well we can talk about what i think looks what the next step looks like for me i think um and a lot of it has to do with uh efficiency and effectiveness uh but so so what is your do top dollar amount i never told her no, I but i'm I asking mean, you now i mean what does not feel comfortable anymore mm -hmm. is to do ten thousand probably it's a little high number to start with so what? So it should be lower. I'm not saying that. I'm just making comments to what you're saying. So if so, if somebody had a treatment plan of of eight thousand and they put two thousand down, oh, and so, then, okay. So and now, then did okay, a thousand dollars every for six months, uh -huh. I would be okay with that. Okay, All right. I would. Okay. But now, if somebody came in and they needed a, a full arch uh, implant case, I'd say, and it was thirty thousand, I would, and they wanted to do. 5000 down and then do $5,000 out of their credit card, I would feel uncomfortable with that. Okay. All right. So, we, but see, so see what's happening is, is you've taken what we've talked about and you've somewhat made it your own because it's not safe and you're doing okay, right? So you've got to have a minimum. Number one, you've got to have a minimum that you're willing to lend and you've got to have a maximum that you're willing to lend. Okay? And then tell somebody in my practice about that. Not somebody. Everybody. everybody. And my argument would be you make it so that they don't even make the decision.
like you set up the Excel spreadsheet so that way if it goes over that under that dollar amount, the it option self destructs. It, you can't the, the option doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. If it goes over that dollar amount, that option goes away. Gotcha. And you and, and the spreadsheet I've given you guys in the mastermind or the one the sample I've given you guys does that. Okay. So when we get I to the office, that. I want you to make sure that I show you that. Okay? Gotcha. All right. <clears throat> so that's number one. Okay. And these numbers also, the, the top level and bottom level are going to change here in a second. Okay. So now let's go through, do you expect or require a down payment? Right now? Yes. How much? 20 to 30%. 20 to 30. Which one? Who determines that? The office manager. Hmm. Whatever she's comfortable with. Okay, but who owns the practice? Are you judging me right now? No, I'm, I'm just I'm just taking it in. I mean, but who should determine that ultimately? Me? You. I mean, you're the owner, correct? Last yeah. time I checked, it's Will yeah. Jones Dentistry, it correct? Is. <laughs> right. Currently. So, so, yeah. I so, haven't sold to a DSO so which, one, which one do you want? 20 or 30? Whatever the patient's comfortable with. Is so now the answer? patient's making the decision? Well, if we can help them come to a good number with 20% over 30, then I would rather do that. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years, I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode. 